Speak my name out your mouth. Now listen up. The tradition of Festivus begins with, with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. But now it's back to the lab. So would you please listen, 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 listen. Happy Festivus, everyone! Hello, 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 and welcome everyone to the 311th episode of the Hungry Gamers Podcast Annual Festivus Edition. I am an extremely humble and disgruntled host at the same time because I do have a lot of problems with your people out there. You can find me on them socials at Brendan 8-Bit just about everywhere and the Newman to my Susan Ross. You can find her on them socials at Miss Ally Hart. Miss Ally Hart, how you doing? You got some grievances to air today? Yep, I haven't had a single bit of caffeine so you all better watch out. Not one. Not one. Not one. And it's like, you know, mid-afternoon for you at the moment. And it is, you're yeah. caffeine-free so still? Running on fumes and um, good intentions and I'm all out. You are an absolute animal. I have uh, been awake for about 45 to 50 minutes and I am halfway through a fantastic Ooh. Suntory uh, iced vanilla latte uh, boss can right now. I love these things. I am a big sucker for a Suntory iced coffee. I've been assured that they taste great, but I think the one that I tried was like a really strong one, so it just tasted really bitter. So yeah, some, I have to give it another some try. Some do have some punch, but these ones are a little bit more soft and subdued, and only ninety calories per can. So oh, um, nice. kind of good for you, I think. Like I don't know how many coffees, I mean, how many calories in a standard coffee, but ninety feels good to me. Yeah, those. I mean, the ninety would have to be the milk or the whatever the milk substitute is to mm-hmm. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but uh, the Japanese, they know what's going on. You know, number one canned coffee brand in Japan in 2019, as per Intage magazine, apparently. So, uh, shout out to Suntory for keeping me uh, caffeinated this morning. As we air all our grievances, so yes, listeners, if this is your first time doing the THG Festivus experience, what we do here annually at this time of year without fail is we get together with not only ourselves here, but the 8-Bit Nation to air... Our grievances from a gaming perspective from the year that was. So we talk about our biggest disappointments, biggest grievances about the industry, the community, etc., etc. We look inwards and talk about our biggest grievances and issues with 8-bit slash the hungry gamers from more of a macro lens. And then, uh, you know, we look forward and uh, talk about what we're also uh, dreading or worried about for 2023. So that's the basis of this episode. We don't do any, any news. We don't talk about what we've been playing. Uh, we just jump straight on into some grievances and gripes and all that stuff that's uh, making our hearts very sore today. So uh, I guess we can start with um, the broader lens here and maybe... The tradition of Festivus begins with, with the airing of grievances. We air some grievances on our biggest gaming disappointments of 2022. And uh, what mm. we've done f- as far as the feedback from the 8-Bit Nation... We've uh, taken it all, chucked it all into a blender and combined a lot of answers because we did get quite an amount of uh, feedback. So we're very, 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 very thankful for everyone that took the time out of their schedules to uh, write on in. We'll do a big, massive bulk thank you to everybody that uh, chucked those answers in at the very end. So if you don't hear the exact wording that you submitted, fear not, 
much because we have sort of combined multiple into singular responses because there was a lot of sort of consistencies here, a lot of themes that uh, were common across a lot of responses. And I don't think anyone's too surprised, but um, the first one, I wanted to mention here as on behalf of the 8-Bit Nation, uh, technically the game did come out in 2021, but uh, it is causing lots of pain and issues still to this day. And that is uh, none other than Battlefield 2042, uh, the, uh, you know, the, the self-appointed cod killer at the time when it was coming well, out. Uh, instead, yeah. it, uh, you know, committed harikari on itself yeah. right from the jump. It did it to itself. Um, it's a shame because I have a lot of memories on... About one of the battlefields, I think it was Battlefield Four, maybe, and that was like it. It for me, it did take over Call of Duty. It actually took me away from it, so I was pretty impressed that something was able to do that. But I haven't really jumped on a battlefield since. Yeah, I haven't touched Twenty Forty Two at all. Like not even one second. I've watched minimal people playing it or gameplay in general. Seen some of the bugs and the issues and whatever else. And, yeah. and it, it is like you said, like it was one of the one of the heavy hitters and it was one of yeah. the, the games that sort of started to pioneer these these big team battles like going from you know instead of being six on six team deathmatch to you know 64 on 64 type squad battles and stuff and it was one of the the leaders of that space but then uh due to a game coming out that was underdeveloped and underfinished uh was very busted and uh, upset a lot of people we saw the player bases drop off exponentially new, new patch would come out where it fixed things had a little bit of a spike but then it plateaued again and it's on life support just about this game at the moment i don't know what they're going to do with it i don't know if they're going to sort of shelve this franchise for a couple of years and maybe regroup but um yeah there's a lot of people in the in the nation that were talking about um how busted it is how much of a letdown it was even you know six months post launch where the game was meant to come good again and it was still just sort of held together with tape and and a couple of you know wet band-aids so uh yeah, Battle 20, Battlefield 2042 is uh, one of the biggest gaming disappointments of the year. Uh, some other ones. Ghostwire Tokyo got uh, a bit of... Well, not really love. Uh, it got a lot of uh, references <laughs> in our responses. Call out, yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. I played this game. We did a spoiler cast. You can listen to mine and Jono's full opinions on Ghostwire Tokyo in more depth on the THG RSS feed. But yeah, this game... You know, when it got announced, we were pretty psyched for it. Like, it looked kind of cool, looked interesting. I like that it tied into sort of Japanese supernatural mythos and all that. But the game was just... Yeah, well, I, I there was something about it that, unfortunately... Like, it looked... The concept was cool, but there was something from day one where there didn't seem to be a lot of consistently uh, consistency um, graphically for me. So, Ghostwire never made it onto my playlist, but... I, I like the idea of it, but yeah, the concept was great, and there was some like some cool things they did in the game, but overall, it felt a little underdone, a little undercooked as well. So uh, you're not at all surprised. I'm seeing it constantly sort of shared on socials about it's you know on on sale for ludicrously cheap numbers, so you can pick it up for mm. you know ten bucks ish here or there in most places now, which is crazy to think about a triple A that came out at the start of the year. But uh, yeah, Ghostwire Tokyo. Very disappointed. Something else that uh, disappointed a lot of members of the Ape Nation. Uh, Gotham Knights got some uh, yeah. got some referencing and some spotlighting here in the biggest gaming disappointments of 2022. And, and a lot of the tone, it was sort of you know didn't didn't deliver on the hype. A uh, few people actually called it mid. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what that's uh, what's that means in uh, in street speak these days. Mid, I guess, is average. 
Average, yeah. yeah. I think from what I know of what min means, it's it wasn't a great game. It wasn't a good game. It wasn't bad. It was mid. It was mid. So is mid the new fine? I think mid's our fine, oh, to be honest. There you go. Yeah. But yeah, the game, they're still supporting it. Obviously, they've got a mode now where you can actually play with three other friends. So you can have like four people in the squad finally instead of just one person with the shared narrative experience. But... You know, that four people, it's only like almost like a, a, a battle mode. It doesn't actually allow you to play the full game with, with you and three other friends. It was fine. Like, I, I played a good chunk of this with Benny. Him and I were rolling out together around Gotham City doing our thing. But it was a little busted. It was a little inconsistent. And the the sort of online mode, there was a lot of rubber banding, some delays and some, some catch-up issues there due to due to sort of weird network connectivity issues even though we were both here in Australia mm. but it was pretty it was fine but it certainly was not anywhere close to you know the the Arkham games of old that's for sure no and i avoided it because it started i started getting um exhaustion like when you get trailer after trailer you get contests you get follow ups mm. and then obviously it had its delay as well but then after a while, I got sick of seeing it. And then when it finally released, I feel like most of the content that I saw was just people walking, like combating across the cityscape. And it was much of the same. So yeah, it felt, felt decided very not much to invest that. my time into that like, one. I still haven't finished the, the mainline campaign. I think we got maybe halfway through. And this, there was some cool moments in the story. But overall, sure. I was just like, yeah, this is... Fly here or glide there, fight a heap of people, finish the mission. Fly here or fly there, fight a heap of people. Like it's it's a formula that works to a degree, but when the city is is kind of stale at the same time, it sort of uh, loses a little bit of um, oomph, a little bit of impact. And something that um, came out and was impacting the the gaming world as a whole in a big way at first, obviously New World, the big MMO, uh, backed by Amazon, which really 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 fell away this year like a lot of people were really high on it when it came out last year and there was a lot of potential but as is tradition with most mmos uh, they they sort of you know get washed away after a good initial you know six to nine months and then no one seems to care anymore and they go back to wow or final fantasy as as the two sort of pillars of that that part of the industry so yeah new world um a few people were pretty bummed that the the expansions didn't come out as frequently as they hoped or didn't add enough new dimension to the game to keep people interested or keep new players coming in. So New World, what do you reckon? Do you think this thing's going to have the servers shut down within the next year or so, I'd imagine? I'm going to give it 18 months. 18 months, I think, it might be fair. The problem is, is that there is still a community out there playing and very dedicated to it but I've also heard the grievances from said community. When New World launched, I, you know, they had quite a push and I think that they also had a lot of partnering programs and such, so streamers would be playing it a lot, like giving incentives. I also give them credit because they were very ambitious at the start and even had, like, a competition. Mm-hmm. And But, I mean, I barely see anyone talking or saying that they're playing it. Twitch is constantly having drops for it, but... But it's not my kind of game either, so I don't feel like my full opinion on whether it's succeeding or failing is valid enough, I guess. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm similar boat. Like, I haven't played a lick of this game. I've, I've watched from the sidelines here when it first came out. But outside of that, this has been so 
out of my periphery for months and months. I couldn't even tell you what's happening in the game now if there is any drastic changes. But at the same time, I don't see a single person in my social media net talking about it online. Like I don't see anyone on Twitter saying, oh man, this new content for New World just dropped or I'm having an issue with New World because of X. Like I see nothing. It's just radio sounds on, on the Twitter feed. So uh, we'll see, we'll see. But I'm uh, putting that $20 bet down right now, New World in 18 months. So what's that going to be? Early 2024, the servers, gone. Amazon moving on to something else, like the God of War series that was just confirmed for order today. So uh, there we go. Uh, we also had some disappointments in relation to Starfield. So uh, obviously mm-hmm. the big Xbox slash Microsoft exclusive getting delayed, bumped off that November 11th date until 2023. So uh, a lot of people were pretty bummed on the back of that because the game seems to look pretty great. I'm very excited for Starfield. I am on that hype train or that hype space shuttle and uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward to playing it next year. But uh, yeah, a lot of people were wah, wah, wah because they don't get it this year. I mean, we were always preaching a polished game is better than a half-baked one. I give credit, though. I had no interest in this game, but I'm slowly been getting a little bit interested in it. I don't know if I'm going to be a day one player. It might be something I might pick up later on, but I like the concept. I like the idea. Graphically, it looks fine. So, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm very hyped, very hyped for Starfield next year. I hope it is everything that we want and more. Uh, we've had some also uh, some negative press slash spin in relation to uh, Pokemon. The latest yes. release, obviously, Scarlet and Violet came out. We've uh, spoken about that pretty much ad nauseum on the uh, on the mainline THG episodes about yeah. the the lack of polish with the graphics, the inconsistent and busted frame rates, the experience being overall a little bit subpar. And uh, a lot of people in the nation agree with us because uh, yeah, there's been a lot of a lot of um, messages that came through in regards to responses talking about how comical it was that, uh, you know, characters just disappear or fall through the map or, you know, cut this way or go that way. And, um, yeah, for, for a game as big as Pokemon and, and a studio as big as Nintendo to release a game in this state is still very comical to me. Yeah, I know I enjoyed seeing all the glitches and the bugs and all the content that came online because of these issues and I had a good laugh at it. But I also understand that a company, well, something as big and massive as Pokemon releasing a game as messy as it was after me playing it myself and seeing like, oh, no, yeah, this is pretty bad. I just think they fell victim to their own strict timelines and release markers mm. and having to drop it regardless of being ready or not. And I know that all of us, they we always say vote with your wallet or don't do, do, don't take the purchase or whatever, but like I don't think it was going to stop them. I think it was going to release no matter what, no matter how many people bought it or not. I think the bad press might be enough, but... Yeah, it it was quite it, quite a contrast for me anyway for Sword and Shield. So mm. I thought I was going to get something more than that, but it actually kind of felt less. And it, it's crazy to think about it too that they released two big mainline Pokemon games in the same calendar year, like they did Arceus at the That's start right. of the year. That's right. And then Scarlet and Violet for some reason shoehorned at the back. Like I'm never going to be upset about more games, but like... 
why did you feel the need to rush it when it was clearly not ready for the broader gaming community because now the internet be the internet be very angry and uh, you know besmirching the good name of game freaks and nintendo and whatever else like it's still selling like mad and it will continue to sell like crazy over this christmas period no doubt but it's such a janky janky game and such a very un-nintendo like experience with their mainline games and um the, the next sort of grievance as far as the biggest disappointments of the year sort of weave directly into that sort of nintendo speak and there's been a few people talking about um the lack of big uh big sort of 10 out of 10 experiences that Nintendo have dropped in 2022. So like there is, has become this sort of expectation with Nintendo where they'll bring out one or two of these just um, maybe not revolutionary. That's probably too big a word, like fantastic games, like these, these massive big talking points that are, you know, are constantly up in, in, in and around the game of the year discussion that, that get the 10 out of 10s or, you know, the eighties or nineties out of a hundred in Metacritic and, you know, Nintendo has had a lot of great releases this year, but due to their lack of a new Mario or Zelda title, some of the fan base out there feel that that's a big disappointment. That was sort of echoed through a lot of these responses there where, you know, Nintendo had a fine year. They had a mid-year, I guess you could say, um, like the kids do. But, uh, yeah, the fact that there was no uh, new Zelda or new mainline Mario, obviously there was, you know, your Mario Rabbids and stuff, so don't come at me for missing out on those releases. But, you know, your mainline Mario, um, you know, experiences or, or Zelda experiences not coming in 2022, uh, that's very disappointing for a lot of hardcore Nintendo fans out there. Yeah, I guess that's valid. We had a Kirby... Actually, we had obviously due to its anniversary, we had a, cu- a couple of Kirby titles, but I, I think everyone really genuinely enjoyed the um, I the name escapes me, but the actual big title that they released for Kirby. There was a big, big push, like a happy fan base, and then we also had like I guess does Bayonetta count? Yeah, like Bayonetta got some good love. Like we got, you know, Xenoblade Chronicles 3, which has been positively reviewed. And, you know, even like the new Splatoon game came out and, you know, a lot of people are yeah. horny to get inked and all that kind of stuff. So Horny to get inked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Put that on a bumper sticker somewhere. But uh, yeah, so there, so there was some good games that came out. You know, Nintendo served up a ton of titles, but uh, yeah, everyone's like, where's my Mario? Where's my Zelda? Or my link, if some people still don't know the difference, which is still humorous. The next one, this was um, not a surprise. Well, part of it maybe was and part of it wasn't. But uh, a few people were a little lukewarm on the Callisto Protocol. Uh, they, they wanted more. They expected more. And same goes for the Resident Evil 8 Shadows of Rose DLC. So uh, a couple of people sort of talked about that. And, uh, you know, in, in the same light of that they're... You know, big fans of the survival horror genres, but they were um, a little underwhelmed. They sure. were uh, a little mid. Uh, I'm c- going to go back to that well as often as I can today. Uh, they thought the games were just okay, but uh, lacking that overall oomph that they wanted to sort of, I guess, send them into the stratosphere. So uh, Callisto Protocol and Resident Evil 8 Shadows of Rose DLC are still yet to play the Resident Evil 8 expansions. I'm going to be playing that over the Christmas break, so I can't really... Uh, provide feedback on that but Callisto Protocol I loved it I thought it was great it was not perfect but it was fun it's everything I wanted at the time mm-hmm. well I I think you're a small group like there was a what was the talk about the game having a patch release and that was causing issues for certain players or the PC experience for Callisto was terrible but mm. console players had a better time 
either way, I know that a lot a lot of people that are fans of the survival horror were disappointed with Callisto. I didn't see many people talk about Rose um, Shadows of Rose. I don't know if it was just because it's just mostly Resident Evil fans in particular or I don't know. I just felt like more people talked about Resident Evil 8 than they did about this extension. So I think I think it's all valid, especially when you're passionate about a genre that doesn't get a lot of love. Mm-hmm. So when the genre doesn't succeed or it's seen as having kind of a failure then you worry about that no more money or investment will be put into these genres for future. So it's valid. Yeah, it is worrisome because, yeah, it is it is a very particular genre that needs to execute everything to a high degree to, I guess, get the, the same acclaim that maybe a subpar game might do that's a little bit more accessible. And the Callisto Protocol, like, it did very much feel like Glenn Schofield just stole Dead Space's homework and just, you know rubbed out his name off the top and or their name off the top and then put uh, Striking Distance Studios at the top instead. Mm-hmm. And it's fine. Like, imitation's the highest form of flattery and all that kind of nonsense. But, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that we might get more in that world where they can maybe make that game more of a, more of their own, which is, Found I guess, the bit. biggest thing. Like, there was so many nods to Dead Space and it felt like I was just playing a Dead Space DLC almost in a few, in a few sort of um, areas and how it handled things. But... The base is there, uh, you know, the, the clay is there to be moulded into its own unique Callisto world, hopefully, with, with future releases. But uh, we'll see, because we've got Dead Space coming out in January. So let's see who's uh, who's eating whose uh, lunch come, uh, come January and review time happens. Um, also, a few people weren't too happy with Sonic Origins, Miss Hart. So, uh, <laughs> you know, a lot of people were, were pretty excited for the old uh, Blue Hedgehog. But, um, yeah, there was some... Some issues in relation to the the pricing structure for various various editions of the game, where you'd get this and not that, pending on the amount of money you're shelling out. And uh, then it also took the place of the originals on just about every store that it went on to. So uh, Sega was delisting the originals, which is you know a silly silly thing to do in my opinion, and uh, also a lot of the people in the nation all sort of saying, "Yeah, where's 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 my Sonic gone? Why is it Sonic Origins or bust right now? Give me everything or give me none." So uh, Sonic Origins, I didn't, I haven't played a second of this either. Did you? Did you spin up Origins? I can't remember. No, I didn't really feel the need to, especially with how much Sonic I had originally played. But I do recall uh, it being said that, that taking off the original content to be replaced with this and then this one not doing so well and breaking down that structure, the pricing structure and what you got with pre-ordering or getting extra content and stuff, that was a bit messy. Mm. Yeah, it was... Um a little lackluster and a little uh, not very pro-consumer, that's for sure. But uh, yeah, sorry to the members of the nation that were uh, a little bit upset and hurt by what they did with Sonic. But uh, mm. hopefully they uh, treat them with a little bit more respect in future releases. Uh, the next one, we had a lot of people uh, poking fun at uh, or being, I guess, disappointed at all of the Xbox slash Microsoft exclusives that came out in the 2022 calendar year. And uh, I, I spe- uh, specifically had a little bit of a chuckle to one of them where they even referenced the old uh, John Travolta uh, Pulp Fiction gif where, mm-hmm. you know, you open up the wallet or he's in, you know, whatever scene they, they sort of cut that John Travolta clip into and he's looking around unsure and completely confused. So, uh, yeah, as a... 
you know, as as one of the the more I guess pro Xbox and Microsoft podcasts in the gaming space out there, it, it sucks. It it is upsetting that we keep hearing that we've got you know in excess of thirty Microsoft owned studios these days, and yet we don't get a ton of exclusive games coming out year on year. Like I'm I'm sure that that damn wall is going to break and break in a big way very soon. But for now. <laughs> The two games we were, we, that were probably propped up the most with Redfall and Starfield both getting kicked out of the year altogether. It's like, ah, oh, all right, here we go again. Here we go again. Like, uh, you know, insert Grand Theft Auto San Andreas meme right there. But uh, yeah, a lot of people are just uh, taking the mickey slash also very disappointed on those, all of those exclusives, I should say, uh, from Microsoft and Xbox that are in air quotes on the way. Yeah. I mean, I don't see the disappointment or like why get why a person would get upset about not having exclusives because i mean like i don't know exclusive uh console exclusive titles just never you know make sense to me but uh, it might be because i'm predominantly a pc player so i don't usually Mm. see it get in my way that much and owning both consoles i don't get that conflict of like oh great i can't play said game because i don't have said console so i don't know yeah, it's it's a tough one. Like, I think at the end of the day, the biggest thing is bring like release these games when they're ready to be released. Don't don't sort of bend a knee to the pressure of getting enough games out to keep the the, the media and and everyone happy. Get these games out when they're a hundred percent ready to come out and be the best game it can be. Because yeah, you don't want to you know go in full circle. You don't want a Battlefield twenty forty two experience on your hands. True. And um, the last one, sort of, we had a lot of um, feedback and, and writings in regarding the biggest disappointments relating specifically to delays, to mm-hmm. the constant uh, flow of season passes and the churn that comes off the back of that, whether it be pay to win or just, you know, pressured pay to buy these season passes to maintain relevancy in the games. And um, I feel you, like, especially if you're playing a lot of these online or live or games of service types of titles there's a lot of money you're shelling out on the reg like you know i'm playing marvel snap the season pass on that's like 12 bucks every it feels like every five like five minutes is very dramatic but like it feels like every two to four weeks there's a new one of those and you've got the Fortnite season pass and you've got apex if you're a cod player like there's so much money just getting shelled out left right and center to maintain relevancy and get these cool skins and emotes and stuff and um it's the way the world's living. It's death by a thousand cuts. But my God, everyone, anyone that knows, like, you know, those little paper cuts, they fucking sting the most. They, yeah, they are pretty bad, especially when you get them in the, like, the webbing, the little middle part of your finger. Oh, oh, it's the worst. Just thinking of so many movies where they do that as, like, torture and stuff. And it's like, Ugh. A little lemon right juice. Um, I, 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 we're a household that has at least four battle passes that has to, well, doesn't have to be purchased, but usually is purchased due to time invested. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say the biggest one was Overwatch for me, like Overwatch 2. I know that they were under a lot of scrutiny because of the loot box system and it being considered gambling and such. However, with this new system of obviously having a storefront where you can purchase and we've, they've obviously caught, already caught a lot of slack on how much skins or little charms, like one item costs based on like real life cost and buying a simple charm in real life it being exactly the same or sometimes even costs more in game. But the battle pass now that they've taken in Overwatch to replace the loot boxes was very lackluster. It didn't seem rewarding in the slightest. 
And nothing's worse than seeing your time invested but not getting the output like or seeing how they value your time mm-hmm. invested, I guess. Uh, so the reward, the rewards of playing that game felt lackluster to me. And then, um, I don't know, I don't think I've really played a lot to pay to win. I know that Diablo caught a bit of slack this year for pay to win, but I don't think I've really personally played too much that actually had pay to win issues attached to it. But I, mean, I know it's still a problem that happens in the um, gaming space, but yeah. Delays are delays. Delays are delays. Yeah, we can't we can't shake them. I think we've we've talked about that ad nauseum today, and also on, on a lot of other podcasts. Like, yeah, bring the game out when it's ready. That's that's the big thing. Delay delays is not an issue for me. Um, I guess I guess the only issue when it comes to delays if they delay it several times, then just go off oh, shit. We just got to get this out anyway, and then just throw it out half cooked instead of just fully committing and, and leaning into. No, nah, we're releasing it when it's ready. They're like, no, nah, media pressure. It's coming out. Sorry in advance that it's not fully prepared. But um, yeah, season passes are tough, especially when the yeah the the developers or you know all the publishers they're not respecting our time. Like yeah, you, you put money and a lot of time into some of these battle passes. Like Halo Infinite's another one. Like that battle pass they had for that, that was rough. Sucked. You put hours and hours and hours into that, and it's like okay, now you get some shitty looking shoulder um, add-ons, and it's also in one color. And then you grind for another few hours. Like, oh, now you get your new knee pads in a different color. It's like, fuck, like respect your player base and respect their time. Like time is money. And when you're putting in those types of hours to get new hats, you know, going back to always that Malibu Stacey reference. Like it is, it's really, really upsetting. Like give us, like I say real value, even though it's a digital item, but you know, give us things that actually have some type of value and, and validation to the player instead of things like that. Also, full disclaimer, obviously uh, a person isn't we, – we don't have to buy a battle pass. Like no one is putting a gun to our head saying you have to buy the battle pass. I just think that when the option is presented to you and you see – like when you play these games and you get the XP, the first thing that it does is that it shows you – how much XP you're getting, how much of the battle pass you're unlocking. So you are kind of faced with that usually like, oh, this is the free stuff that you get unlocking at these points with your XP. But look at all this stuff that you're missing because mm-hmm. you haven't invested the money. And I also get that studios now, because of the cost of how how much it costs to make a game, they have to make their money somewhere. And these is usually where they can get that money back and invest more into making more of the game or adding to it. So I understand that confliction. It's just that some of the battle passes have been, or season passes have been pretty rough. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And and I think I'd like to see more more studios sort of handle battle passes maybe the way Fortnite does these days where you, you have the option to cherry pick certain things along the way instead of being, you know, fought. like there is the end game ones that, you know, usually the level 90 to 100 where you have to unlock everything prior but I like that it gives you the option to jump in and jump out of certain pages to to get items that you're liking. So you aren't really just stuck completely on rails. So it does give you the illusion of choice at the least. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So let's, let's shift things towards us here and let's talk about our biggest gaming disappointments of 2022. Did you want, do you want to lead us off or do you want me to jump in first? Um, I'll let you go first if you like. All right. I'll, I'll keep mine sort of, uh, Fairly quick because I'm I'm in lockstep with a few of the others we already mentioned. But um, my my biggest gaming disappointment of uh, 2022 is probably without a doubt this 
this melting pot of drama and hyperbole regarding Xbox and Sony these days. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's so much so much stress and tension in the the industry at the moment regarding the the Activision Blizzard acquisition that is just driving me and you and probably just about everybody else crazy like we've we've got burnout we've got fatigue from this thing obviously the ftc things now now starting to sort of gain momentum and you know the 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 subtle and then not so subtle sort of mudslinging that's happening from various figureheads at xbox and microsoft and sony uh you know trying to get their little jabs in where they can and it just really annoys me that there's so many big mergers and acquisitions happening, not on the daily, but you know, very frequently. We talk about all these purchases happening very, very consistently here on the podcast, and they seem to always go through without a hitch. But this one has just really upset the apple cart, and it's going to derail the industry. And uh, it's not good because you know, COD can't be single platform, and they're saying it's not going to be, and all that kind of stuff. You know, we don't need to go the play by play, but. Uh, the double standards of this thing is just what gets me the most. Like, I don't want to sound too biased towards old Team Green, but it's just interesting that this is the one that made Sony really stress out and freak out Sweat, that this could yeah. be a big shift in the market. But ultimately, I feel that it's going to be good for gamers. Like you said, it doesn't really matter where you play your games. Like, it, it shouldn't matter what platform you're ultimately on. And Xbox, you can see... I've just signed a 10-year agreement with Nintendo for Call of Duty to come back for the first time in forever and they want to sign a 10-year agreement with Sony, but Sony don't want to do it because of various T's and C's and blah, 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 blah. So that irks me. And I also just wanted to quickly say an honorable mention to the Dark Pictures anthology, The Killer in Me, because that game is okay in parts, but it was very, very, very underwhelming after you and I being very excited for that for close to 12 months, I think, um, in the lead up to the killer in me. And then it just came out and I'm like, oh, that's it. Oh, <laughs> so so that's my biggest disappointments of 2022. Um, my th- biggest disappointments, I don't know if it is much of a reflection of the industry or maybe just more myself, but I am finding myself less and less drawn towards AAA titles. And because I am not engaging with these AAA titles and I'm finding myself either going to these rinse repeat first person shooters battle royales and such or the indies that my engagement in the gaming space is has less relevancy because i am not engaging with these triple a titles and it's definitely something that I'm, I'm noticing more and more obviously the podcast is a great way of highlighting it um but just in general conversations as well, that a lot of people are talking about AAA titles like, you know, God of War, which I, I honestly have no interest in playing at all. But it's like the it thing to talk about. So I can never really engage in these conversations. I can talk about how I feel about it or me watching a person play it and those opinions. But in the same space, I also feel like my my opinions or my conversation pieces really don't matter to those people anyway because, hey, I didn't play it. So I, I'm just more concerned about what it means to be a gamer and engaging in the community whilst not being predominantly a AAA game player. So, I, I mean, we are always spoiled for choice. We have a bunch of different types of games at different levels and different studios that we are spoiled for choice, but it's, 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 the, it's this little group of the AAA titles that constantly get churned out every year that has the relevancy in the community and I just kind of 
I'm a bit worried about where I'm sitting as a as a gamer as I'm less and less and less attracted to the AAA titles that kind of come out. Yeah, I get exactly what you're saying there. Like, there, there is there is a constant pressure to not only hear from you know from a THC or an AP perspective to cover you know the big and the bold you know to cover the AAAs because ultimately that's where you'll get the most clicks or the most listens. So there is a little bit of that baked in where you're like, you know, to maintain relevancy, we need to play God of War, uh, game X, Y, Z, da, 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 you know, the list goes on. And yeah, like, like that's not a bad thing, but yeah, the, like our, our tastes and our interests change over time. And, and with the, the influx, like, you know, we've always had great indie games, but because they're becoming, more of a thing and coming out more regularly as far as games that are must plays it does put a lot of stress on on ourselves and, and you know people in this space to to not only try and cover those games and, and spotlight the the indie gems that are coming out that might not get the same love as a god of war or a starfield order because their marketing budget's one one thousandth of the size of, of yeah. you know this other publisher so it can be tough and it's a difficult line to walk we we walk it as best we can but um, I feel you. I feel you because um, sometimes you just want to play that, but you've got to play this to, to then have exactly. something to talk about. And it puts some strain on it. And I know it's first world problems, but uh, sometimes you just you just want what you want. Yeah. And like I'm sure it could also be approached from the same kind of thing where people are just busy all the time. Like a lot of people don't have a lot of time to play games all the time. And I find that usually the AAA ones are usually the games that take a good 40 40 plus hours and some people just don't have that time to fully invest into multiple games of a year so I'm sure maybe people in that space kind of feel it too where they can't play every single amazing AAA game that kind of gets dropped in a year so but Mm. yeah mine is just like purely an interest thing I'm just not finding myself drawn into wanting to play most of these games that kind of come out and you know what that's perfectly fine Mm. You, you don't have to maintain the status quo and, and just play all the big triple a games because that's what everyone expects you play what you want to play gaming should be fun and if you're not having fun then what are you doing exactly all right let's shift gears over to this one eh? my son tells me your company stinks and we are talking about our biggest grievance within or about the industry and we're going to lead this one off this is going to be one of the only ones where i'm going to directly shout out one of the uh contributors and because uh this goes out to a friend of the show jamie penning and um he, he sent through a response last year for our Festivus 2021 edition, but instead of sending it through the Google Docs or Google Form that I was monitoring, he sent it through on the socials, which I said people could do, but stupid me did not check it on the time of recording. So I wanted to sort of put my hand up and say, mate, I am very sorry that I missed your submission last year, mm-hmm. but uh, I've got all your answers through this year. And uh, one that um, you mentioned and a few other people have mentioned in the responses is in relation to fan hate. And I've sort of actually chucked a little bit of wording in here from, from Jamie because I think it is uh, you know, something that needs to be said, need to be heard. And uh, yeah, so fan hate is his biggest uh, grievance about the industry. He absolutely despises it. There's being constructive in providing criticism and there's being hating on a game without providing proper feedback that's being helpful instead of a hindrance. So I completely agree. Like you, you and I, we talk about games every week here good, bad, or otherwise, we share our thoughts and we always try and be as constructive as possible in the feedback we give. Do we always execute that? I don't know, but 
we always try and validate or put some weight to we like it because or we hate it because um, or it's mid because. I'm getting I'm getting pretty hip with the kids now. I feel great, but uh, fan hate. I'm I'm in complete lockstep with with Jamie there. I'm I'm assuming you're right there with us too. Yeah, I definitely don't think that just being a shit for the shit's sake and thinking that insulting a person or insulting a studio or insulting a game is uh, valid um, valid feedback. So uh, yeah, fan hate's always been a weird thing. Yeah, it's it's just unnecessary. But with the way pop culture, mainstream culture is today, like to be edgy is to be cool in, in some weird circles and some weird eyes. And I just don't get it. And, um, you know, that sort of ties into a couple of other responses we had as far as the biggest grievance about the industry and it weaves into that fan hate. And it's gamers in general. Yeah. You know, the, the toxicity around gaming or gamers or the need to be edgy or the need to be divisive or to pile on to certain things just for the sake of getting some clicks or some relevancy for those 20 seconds it's something that i want none of it's still the be good at games like be a god at games especially on the online space is just people are just so critical on each other and so toxic and evil sometimes when it comes to a person. Like some of us just want to play games. We're not mm. going out there to be the best. We're not out there to be pros. We're not out there to have something to prove. We just want to play some video games and have fun. And then just some people just just boils inside them that they feel the need to just insult and attack people because they're not playing to some kind of level that they're anticipating or that they want or that they may maybe they even aren't reaching but because they're just so mad and so hung up on competitive gaming that it's just it's just gotten nastier and nastier Mm -hmm. yeah it's absurd i'm gonna gonna go back i think maybe we might have mentioned it on festivus last year and it was a, a statement that Benny said to me one day, and I'd never heard of it before until he said it. And it was, don't yuck on my yum. And that's the oh, thing. I've been hearing you that know? all year. I love it. I love that statement. And um, it rings very true, especially in this gaming space. You know, just just be happy for gaming. Don't don't sort of put people up against a measuring stick as far as their skill set or lack thereof, or they're not doing it this way. Like, you know, gamers, just be better. Just be better. And the industry as a whole be better because there's a lot of churn that came through from these responses in relation to NFTs. NFTs were mentioned in just about every second response as far as the biggest grievance about the industry. And they are creeping into everything. Uh, We haven't heard much in the last couple of months, but that doesn't mean it's not no longer around. It's no longer prevalent in, in a lot of these big AAA games that are coming up. But uh, NFTs is something that's a little scary. It's something that, uh, you know, a lot of people are against and rightfully so. But yeah, that is that is one of the biggest, um, biggest responses we've gotten in this podcast episode as far as those industry related grievances, NFTs. Nobody wants them, Miss Hart. They want them out of their games. Well, some celebrities, haven't they got a um, class action suit against them for promoting NFTs? Yeah, there's... um, it's it's very uh very dicey. There's a, there's a lot of people in some trouble in regards to certain promotion of NFTs and and partnering up with other NFT creators and resellers. It's uh it's a mess. It's a mess. But uh, we're going to see more of it as as the months and years tick by, which is you know a little bit disheartening. Something that a few other uh, listeners would probably want to see less of actually is in relation to the Nintendo Switch and, uh, you know, those big AAA titles getting ported across. They're sort of saying there's a few people which um, 
It's something I didn't really think about too much until I saw it pop up a few times in the responses here. Uh, you know, they're saying, stop trying to port these big games and focus on what you do well, is, is sort of the, the underlying message as far as what was said on the, uh, the Google form there. So, uh, yeah, Switch trying to bring across with the Witcher 3s and stuff like that. Just just settle. Just focus on your, your more bespoke Nintendo offering and, and do what you do instead of nearly making Nintendo Switches melt on the daily due to processing and resource oh, yeah. issues. That the discussion about getting Call of Duty on the Switch? What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, it's absurd to me. Like obviously, they're going to try and, you know, play that through through the cloud on, on the Switch to try and offset some of that processing because I don't think the Switch will handle it in its current capacity until we get the next iteration. I'm assuming next year we're going to get a new version of the Switch, right? I, it has to be coming, but I don't think they're going to change too much if it comes to, um, I mean, graphic compatibility. I don't think they're going to change too much. Yeah, the next couple, we've had, um, you know, some feedback in a grievance perspective regarding the industry's obsession with games as a service instead of focusing on single player experiences. So this was something that a few people have said where, you know, these live games, I, I know that, uh, you know, as a, as a destiny Two super fan that falls into the games of a service model, oh, yeah. but it does give you some single player experience in a way too, but you can do it with friends. So mm-hmm. I guess you're probably torn in the middle. <laughs> I do love me a good beefy single player narrative. Don't get me wrong. But uh, depending on the mood, I'm not opposed to jumping into a, a live game with um, some more, um, less, I guess, less expansive storytelling on display there. But um, yeah, I think there's a lot of people that just would like to see it go back to the old school way of, uh, you know, offline, single story, isolated, not attached to any type of uh, live or, or multiplayer element. I think that's fair, but I am a person that usually doesn't gravitate towards linear stories and single player gameplay. I do like my games as a service. I do like online multiplayer. I do like my single player games too, but um, mine are more open world or strategic builds. So um, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I guess as a person that's not looking for them to me, I don't think that it's a problem, but I guess, yeah, I'm not looking for them. So I don't, I don't see it. So yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, another, another couple of ones that popped up, I've, I've weaved it into sort of a singular and it's regarding the inconsistent, like fandom slash boycotting of publishers where, where people are all in or all out. And then, you know, a big dramatic news headline pops up and, you know, they go one way or the other because they want to show unity or, or, you know, jump off that sinking ship. But then the big blockbuster game comes out and it's crickets. You know, they're like, oh, you know what? This this publisher or developer, they're great again. The game's awesome. Forget all the wrongdoing that we've been talking about for months and months and months beforehand. So uh, it's more of those, um, the fickle fandom of the industry where, course, you know, yeah. they're, they're all in or all out due to a cause being good or bad. But then a game comes out that goes, you know what? I can probably look past that uh, that atrocity that they've been they've been doing or operating around for a long time because this game looks like fun. Yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy times at the moment because I feel like a lot of studios or a lot of people attached to studios or games that are being developed. There's always now some kind of headline or some kind of nastiness attached. I mean, Nintendo as a whole. I've gotten in trouble consistently about how they treat staff and how it's not acceptable and also releasing a, a game that wasn't uh, completed or 
had issues and then we have other big studios that obviously have had their issues of mistreatment of staff and such but I agree like there's a lot of people who like to take these stories cover the stories but then also push the titles that are attached or not feel so strongly to push back against publishing stories or reviews of certain games it's it's a weird it's a weird thing and it's a weird thing to deal with in the industry because sometimes you don't hear about everything as well so I just yeah it's hard to take a stand on something and then follow it up with not supporting it or not supporting supporting things attached to it and yeah I I understand where where people coming from with this because it's just eggshells I always chuckle when you see you know the the big gaming or or culture media outlets write a big opinion piece about how brand or publisher or developer is bad because of x and then you'll log on to that website again a month later and in their paid advertising space there's real promoting the game coming out or something like that i'm like no everyone's got bills to pay don't get me wrong they've got salaries that they need to pay for staff and all that kind of stuff but i just uh i find it humor that there is that sort of conflict where it's like it's it's bad it's the devil but oh they're giving us some money so buy the game like it's um you know, it's, it's, it's a tough spot to be in. You want to, you want to make money and you want to make a living out of this space. But, uh, yeah, it's funny where you've sort of, I guess, got to leave your conscience at the door here or there occasionally because of issues. So, well, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, th- there's reporting on it. Like there's a lot of places that the, it's their duty to report on what was happening, but then there's the other thing of actually taking a stand and saying mm. that you're taking a stand and then going back on it. Exactly. So. Exactly. Yeah. It's. I don't think we've planted too many flags about we're never doing this. Like I'm always pretty open in regards to you know I'll, I'll call things out when it's bad, but I'll certainly like if there's something that is of interest to me, I'll I'll give it a look or give it a play. I don't know if that's hypocritical in itself. You guys can be the judge, but um, yeah, we always try and be as honest as we can as far as our opinions, whether they be warm or lukewarm takes. We always try and uh, you know be honest and. and Tell, speak our truths, I guess, is the, the main thing we always try and do here. Uh, we had other, other people sort of uh, airing grievances regarding PAX 2022 oh. and the, the lack of the major players being there. You know, no Nintendo, no Sony, no Microsoft, all notably absent from uh, PAX Oz 2022. And, and, you know, reasons aside, like it was, it was a thing that you did notice. Like there was plenty to do at PAX. It was still great, but not having the three tent pillars of this industry exhibiting was, was a weird thing. So I get it. Yeah. I, I think that's fair. I obviously didn't go, so I didn't actually get to witness it, but enough people pointed it out. So it must've been very noticeable. Yeah. We still had um, some responses coming through in relation to next gen consoles and their lack of availability. Uh, oh, predominantly yeah. the PlayStation five Xbox seems to have, got a little bit more um, stock out there I guess when they're not selling as much as a PlayStation 5 it makes sense why they probably got more on the shelf yeah. but uh, yeah PlayStation 5 can still be uh, difficult to come by here in Australia and I no doubt excuse me around the globe as well so anyone that is still trying to hunt down a PS5 or an Xbox we hope you find it soon we hope you can maybe find it before Christmas so you can uh, give yourselves a little gift this holiday season so uh, just keep your eyes peeled Anyone in Australia, probably the best place to keep um, 
keep sort of monitoring is that press start Twitter because they are all over um, those announcements. The second that a Target or an Amazon or wherever gets more stock, those tweets are out there within five seconds, it feels like. So that's probably the best place to uh, to keep scanning as you hunt for that next-gen or now current-gen console. Uh, the, the next uh, industry-related grievance ties into yearly releases just being absolute garbage. Uh, slow down and throw some love back into the titles as opposed to just trying to churn them out year on year just for the sake of making money. You know, we're talking about your CODs, your FIFAs, so on and so forth, where it is uh, you know, style over substance, it feels like, with a lot of these games these days. Yeah. I, I think there's also, like, just... There's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes regarding investments and money and timelines and all that sort of stuff when it comes to pushing out these titles. And I'm sure there's a lot of studios that would love to, well, people that work with certain studios that would like to be put the love back into the titles. Mm-hmm. But when there's men in suits telling them that they have to meet these deadlines to make things affordable or worth the money, and just I think that's where the love goes. Yeah. Yeah, when, when uh, yeah, suit, suited businessman number 26 is trying to justify it to get their fat comms check off the back of it, get out of here. But, uh, yeah, just, um, just, just be better industry. <laughs> uh, the next one, or the last one we should say before we uh, chuck it back to ourselves here, is the, the influx of AI that's starting to come in, especially from an art standpoint. This is something that has really sort of popped off the last month or so ever since you know lenza the uh the mobile you know photo editing app released their little ai packet where you can pay a couple of bucks drop a few photos of yourself in there and then it'll generate a ton of ai based art based off your likeness and um, it does it very well but obviously it is very problematic for artists that are out there doing this uh to make a living there's also some security question marks there as far as you know where your photos and data then gets shared through and also you know lenser and some of these other ai based apps out there are utilizing other resources that were you know directly slash indirectly stolen from other people and places that have made this um and and own that ip so it is a little divisive I, full disclosure, I dropped a couple of bucks and got myself some AI made and you know what, it is what it is. But at the same time, outside of everybody I know in this space personally, I reckon I've invested more money into local artists than anybody I know in this game space. So uh, you can sure. come at me all you like, but I've spent thousands of dollars with local artists to get designs and over the years. So yeah, which way you're pointing those pitchforks before you come at me for throwing some bucks at Lenza? Yeah. The, the whole this whole AI space has been it's interesting, scary. It's all the things that for for me is understandable because it's not something that I fully understand. So a lot of the a lot of the times I'm a bit more curious about these things. But if they are genuinely if they are stealing art from other people, then it just it's, it sounds problematic. I know that I've witnessed a bunch of AI art that uh, has been released and some of it's gorgeous, some of it I love and some of Mm -hmm. it is absolutely stunning. But I then can't take myself away from artists, like human artists, which is weird to have to say, but Mm -hmm. human artists creating stuff and then, yeah, it's it's, it's a weird space which I'm going to have to educate myself on a lot more because it's like... If it almost feels like that kind of aspect of like 
painters and then when maybe digital art kind of came in I know that there was some issues there where people were kind of getting a bit like butthurt for people who digitally paint in comparison to people who I don't know what what the organically naturally paint I don't know what the the real paint would be referred to as but maybe there's room for AI somewhere but it just can't be stealing off other people because yeah it just doesn't sound right but yeah like I said I got to educate myself a little bit more in this AI space. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Like, I feel that this is this is the next evolution. This is the next step. Like, this is something that is going to happen. Like, it's already happening, but it will become more and more mainstream. Just as long as these these AI programs are done in a legal and fair way, I've got no issues with it. Like, you look at the the jumps in, uh, you know, in manufacture and in various industries where, you know, you're seeing a lot more, you know, going from from old shop plants where there's human laborers making things to now computers that can make things and robots that can make things more efficiently and whatever else. Like it's all about the input versus the output. And if it can be done better at a, at a cheaper cost, ultimately, companies are going to go that way because well, um, yeah. efficiency is the big thing. And, and I'm not discrediting physical artists whether they be digital or or actually with the pen and paper or the or the the paintbrush like i i love art i've got so much art i i respect that that field and the talent and the ability that artists have but this is something that's going to continue to impact that space so we just need to make sure if we're embracing it more just embrace it for the right reasons and make sure we're we're partnering up with I guess more holistic AI. I don't know if that's the right term to use, but you know, it's, it's, it's something it's strange, that's going to become yeah. more and more, right? Yeah. All right. What's what's your biggest grievance about the industry, Miss Hart, for twenty twenty two? I feel I like obviously we've been seeing this year after year after year, but for this year, I feel like it was very prominent and front facing, where media and entertainment outlets are either closing or having mass firing. Uh, we saw like. Tons of companies doing like just we we saw mass tweets of people saying, "Hey, I just got fired from this news outlet or this company or this entertainment group," and it was usually like a big chunk. And there's also this connection to big big companies buying these little companies, and then then just like you know the the company gets shut down or the people get fired and. I just I think that this is just a big problem because it's making the gaming space seem completely unstable and obviously when you want to take in content or you want to take in news or you want to take in media you want people that are best for the job and you want people who have invested the time and everything but when the industry is completely unstable how are people meant to invest time in themselves to better themselves for a market that they don't they might not have a job in a year. They might have a year's worth or half a month's worth contract of uh, employment, but then the unpredictability of the space just makes it not worth the risk. So I just feel like this year we definitely saw a lot of it and it's just concerning on how how things are going to be in just like media, like outlets, how they're going to hire people or how big the outlets are going to be or how you know it's just it's a it's a scary scary thing and I feel like this year we just saw a lot of either companies close down or a lot of people a lot of people in the um like a lot of journalists um losing their jobs like very last minute too it's such a volatile industry like and I know there's volatility in all industries of course it feels like maybe because we've got so much focus and and attention to the gaming and the the, you know the culture space 
that we sort of pay a little bit more attention towards it. But, you know, like I, I know in business, you know, no one is irreplaceable and, and you know, you, you can find people to fill roles, but it feels like this industry above most others, it feels that most people are just dispensable. Of course, is, yeah. Is the big thing. Like like we saw just the other My day. tells me your company stinks. <laughs> we saw just the other day that, um, you know, there was another mass mass wave of firings for IGN, you know, and we're, we're mm-hmm. two weeks out from Christmas. Like, I know it's a business decision, but it's a human decision too. And some of these these big corporate giants need to maybe, you know, put that at the forefront of their mind instead of the dollars and cents as, as opposed to, um, you know, the fact that there's, like you said, there's, there's livelihoods at stake here. People fight and scratch and claw to get into these industries and then they're disposed after months or years without without any notice they're just like yep you're fired see you later your last day's tomorrow good luck and then you see the tweets and you see the socials where it's like i've just moved across the country for this dream job and now i just got the ass send help somebody because i don't know what to do like it's just becoming so much of a regular thing we see on the socials and it's heartbreaking but it's just so shitty that we're just also used to seeing it now too. Like, you know, you, you get the tweets and, and the people that sort of um, spotlight these people that have now been displaced and disrupted. But it's so common practice in this industry that it's just like, yeah, it's, it's just another day, another firing, another studio closure. Like, it shouldn't be normal, but yet it is. Well, I mean, how hard is it going to be to start finding like veterans of the industry when obviously it's it's a desirable industry. Everyone wants to get into gaming. Everyone would love to be a writer or have, make content in some gaming space. So it is easy to replace older and veteran journalists, entertainers and such with the newer ones who are happy to get a lower pay cut because they just want to get in. Like, I don't know how many people have been able to make a, li- a living out of this industry. Like, I, there's only a few people I recognize still at IGN from growing up and seeing them stick around, but it just doesn't seem like it's the space to grow and develop yourself on a, you know, employment level anyway. So, but yeah. It that- feels like, like once you're in, like it would feel great, but I feel every day you'd almost be on tender hooks, right? Of course. Because you don't I know reckon. what's going to happen. You don't know... When corporate fat cat sitting at the at the top on the board goes, you know what we need to we need to sort of um you know lean out that bottom line a little bit. Where's where's some people that are disposable? Where where's a little group here that we can close off or, or you know scale back and and you know get our profit soaring and our and our share price um positive for the next the next quarter? And it's so gross. And you know our heart our heart bleeds for these people out there, and we hope that this sort of becomes less and less of a thing, but it's going to go the other way as, as more acquisitions so. happen and more of these other businesses get involved and you know a lot of these studios lose their independence, they're just going to be governed by the almighty dollar. So sadly, this is something we're going to continue to report on for a good long while. Of course, yeah. Uh, my, my biggest grievance within industry at the moment, I'm going to throw it at those surface level gamers is what I'm calling them. Surface level gamers and content creators that we're seeing out there on their soapboxes, carrying on about the lack of good games that are released these days. Like, uh, you know, you saw some tweets and social stuff doing doing the rounds these last couple of weeks with Shroud and Dr. Disrespect and other content creators. 
where they're, they're either shit canning the mainline games, they're saying, you know, nothing good's coming out, but all they do is play the same, like, one or two games every every day anyway. Like, take the time to see the forest for the trees. Look at Look at the indie games that are coming out. You know, every other day, there's a fantastic indie game worth your time. There's genres and games coming out so regularly that are for literally everybody in the world. There's something out there for you. So just take the time to to not just get so focused on the big two or three games in, in the release radar of, of the year and, and look at studios you might like, look at genres, look at different parts of the world. Like there's so much good stuff coming out of Asia or parts of Europe or locally here in Australia. Like there's so many good games that don't get anywhere near enough airplay because these people are just pissed and moaning about the same handful of games or all they play is COD or whatever. And, you know, that's fine if that's all you do. But don't shit can the rest of the space just because you're ignorant. Yeah, I saw that that was t- doing the rounds. And when I saw the people that were being kind of referenced, like I'm not going to put them in a bubble and say all they play is Call of Duty or mm. the those kind of battle royales on loop because some of them don't. Some of them do actually play other different games. But you're 100% right. Just because I think streamers and content creators, as I kind of already brought up, they're set to some kind of standard where they need to be making a quota, they need to get the viewers, they need to keep the viewers, they need to retain the viewers, and there's all these expectations. So I don't think they're going to venture out and go and explore these weird, unique games out there because it runs Mm. risk of losing viewership. Like, I don't know how many times I'm in a stream where a streamer maybe always plays Destiny or always plays Apex or always plays Fortnite. And they always say, oh, I'm, I'm trying something different today. I, I saw this game. It was interesting. So I thought I'd play it on stream and show you guys. And their numbers tank. And sometimes you hear how disheartened they are that I can't try these games on stream because I lose viewership, lose money, lose all the all the work that's been done and then generally streamers tend to not want to play games offline so much so they don't really invest the time there to play these unique games so I just I think getting a handful for like opinions from those people maybe weren't the best but I think it is ridiculous to say that there aren't games to play and there there's just so many games so many different kinds of games sometimes you have to look for it Sometimes you kind of have to do your own research. Sometimes you have to get amongst other communities or engage in conversations with other people to find out about these different games that are out there. But getting it from streamers and content creators whose livelihood is attached to content ingested, I just I think that's probably a very, very small bubble. I think that's very well said. Yeah, like um, the fact that they're only focusing on a very small handful of titles in a calendar year at best. Uh, yeah, if, if that's your uh, if that's your sort of area of truth and and, and, of, and of knowledge where you get your your gaming news as far as what's coming out, maybe maybe sort of broaden that lens a little bit, just mm-hmm. because there is so much, like hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of games coming out every year, all that are that are worth your time and uh, you know money potentially as well. So uh, yeah, just just do the research before you commit and want to die on that same hill as some of your your content creators and surface level gamers. I'm going to call them. All right, we're going to shift um, into the next topic, and it's something that um, another Festivus miracle. And this miracle is in relation to something that we've experienced in 2022 that was so bad it was actually good. And obviously, good, that metric 
you know, there, there's no set measurable. You know, we can interpret good however we like. So, uh, so some of the feedback from the nation, I'm going to bundle these first two in together and we're going to talk about Twitter and Hive. So obviously the, the discourse around Twitter, was it going to collapse in, in one big heap just a couple of weeks ago? All the mass firings, everything, you know, that stuff sucks. Don't get oh, me yeah. wrong. But it seems Twitter is uh, living to fight another day. We had Hive rise up out of nowhere, seemingly overnight, and become a big thing. Millions of people jumped on board. And then those millions of people have jumped back off and gone back to Twitter. So um, <laughs> it's very interesting to see how fickle this uh, this social media industry can be. But, um, yeah, those two were something that was so bad it was good because, you know, just watching this tire fire of Twitter just burn around us and Elon Musk doing all kinds of silly things is just, you know, good entertainment, but it's also terrifying for fans of Twitter or users of Twitter. Uh, it's funny because the next one, had this mentioned by a few people and we, we talked about it as far as a grievance in the industry just a second ago, something that was so bad it was good is AI art. And, uh, you know, we talked about it, I think, at ad nauseum earlier. Mm. There is some positives from it. There is some negatives from it as well. Don't get me wrong, but just do your research. Be careful. The next one, Discord integration with consoles. Yes, um, it is great now as a user on Xbox, that the native Discord integration on it is fantastic now because you can just click it through from the party chat. But before that, when it was in early access and you had to pair the Xbox app with the Discord app and join the lobby calls through the app, which would then pull it through to your console and all these things, holy freaking Jesus Christ, was it tough. And it was stressful. And so that was the bad part. I'm completely in unison with the people that were highlighting Discord but it's great now. It's so easy. It's so seamless. And I love it. But getting to that point was tough. I don't use Discord a lot for voice chat. I was, Discord has always been just like a social space for me. It's mm -hmm. funny to think about it still being like a predominantly used gaming chat space. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great. Like, you know, things like Apex and stuff, it's perfect because the in-game chat sucks. But then Fortnite, the in-game chat across all kinds of platforms is awesome. It's pretty decent, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, the next one that got a little bit of love, and it's a game that just keeps on giving and keeps on swinging, taking out all the tombs. We're talking about Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, you know, since the most recent waves of patches and updates for a lot of our listeners, it's become a bit of a guilty pleasure. And it feels so wrong, yet so right for many of them. And I completely agree. After I watched Edge Runners, I was back. Are you back in again as well? Yeah, I loaded it up the other day because of the Game Awards and the new content that was being discussed. So I'm like, yeah, like it. let's do it. I'm going to load it back up and go for it again. Because I we loved it. Like We recognized on launch how messed up our gaming experiences were and how you know the few things were broken, but I still loved my experience with Cyberpunk. I'm sad to see the report that because of the push to launch and all the things they had to fix up, they got rid of the possible online multiplayer. I'm like, no! Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, hoping, so I'm hoping that sees the light down the line somewhere mm. because... Yeah, that would be sick. Playing this game together with friends in, in whatever capacity would be awesome. And obviously we've got the new DLC coming out next year yeah. with Idris Elba rolling alongside Johnny Silverhand, which is going to be fun. But yeah, I enjoy jumping back into Cyberpunk. Like I, I jumped back into it this year off the back of Edge Runners because I had the, the anime bug bite me there. But it still feels good. It still looks awesome on yeah. the Xbox Series X. Plays and really good. Yeah, it plays well. Yeah. So Cyberpunk. So bad, so good. 
can completely agree. We had um, a fair few responses in relation to Pokemon, whether it be the current iterations with Scarlet and Violet, where there's a lot of people, you know, saying the game sucks or it's a hot mess or it's the worst, but yet they can't stop playing because, uh, you know, they're Pokemon tragics and that's fine. And then also um, had, had a couple of references to Pokemon Brilliant Diamond. So which uh, it's it's sort of one of the more legacy titles of the, the Pokemon game, but there was just some head-scratching changes that they were made in that relation to new mechanics and then trying to being faithful to the original, which just made this game really janky. But they also saying that um, it also made the game one of the best in the series. So uh, you're taking the bad with the good and obviously getting something that is uh, mid. <laughs> I'm going to get there. I'm going to get a, my quota. Take a shot, everyone, for every time he says mid now. Yeah. I'm, I'm aiming for a dozen. Uh, maybe I've already crossed the dozen. I think you yeah. Maybe I need to settle down on the mid talk then. All right. The next one that got a little bit of love, uh, Power Wash Simulator, a little little ditty that came out probably middle of this year mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, much, much acclaim. Uh, the, the game, you know, it's, it's one of those games that, uh, you know, the listeners, no one called it out and out terrible in um in the reviews and in the feedback on the festivus form but it just doesn't really fit the mold of a, of a traditional game in the sense so you know it's it's not chock full of content or narrative but what it does do it does very very well and it scratches this weird relaxing zen based itch that uh, you won't find in many experiences this year so a lot of people will be loving power washing i loved it it was great <laughs> it was so relaxing to me i like it was the best chill out kind of game yeah i um i've only sort of dipped a brush in the game is that what you might say dipped a dipped a the chamois power wash? <laughs> yeah yeah i i'm i'm Going to give it a dabble here and there, but I played it for maybe 20 minutes and it was fun. And I did feel very zen. I did very feel very relaxed. And it's ironic because I haven't washed my car in a long time. So uh, go figure. I'll do, do it in a fake video game. But the water do don't matter in the, in the game. That's You're not yeah. paying for that. Exactly. Exactly. And another game that sort of falls into that same bucket as Power Wash Simulator, a lot of people shouted out, uh, you know, the old trombone champ. Brilliant. The, uh, the trombone experience that took over the internet for all of two or three weeks. Uh, a lot of people were all about it. Um, the game itself just sucked people in initially because it's just so absurd and so funny and so unique. And then seeing all, you know, the the controller tycoons out there that make their own adapters and controllers to play Trombone Champ the way they want to, which obviously, you know, kept it in the, the media's eye for a little longer, was super fun. I haven't played a, a second of this game, but I feel I've experienced enough through the internet to appreciate what it was. I didn't play it, but I loved watching everyone else play it and all the <laughs> custom stuff that came from it. So, so much custom stuff. Uh, the next one, we had a p- couple of people reference Chivalry 2, a game that I also haven't played. Uh, there, there was some feedback in there where people were saying that, um, you know, they're, they're not the best at the game. The game is very absurd as far as weird things happen all the time, but just the hilarity off the back of these weird bugs and texture clashes and character models just doing all kinds of crazy things is just absurd. And one particular example I wanted to shout out here where they're saying, like, getting catapulted off the map or accidentally beheading a teammate during the game. So uh, Chivalry 2 is just the the best kind of warfare-based mess out there, apparently, because a lot of people... Same name, perfect, but it's pretty goddamn great. It's bloody chaotic. <laughs> yeah, something else that's chaotic. And it, it's funny because um, I tried this a little while ago too. 
But uh, a couple of our food-centric-based uh, fans out there. So shout-out to Paul for mentioning this. Uh, you know, Five Guys, mm-hmm. one of the one of the best burger chains in America, in my what? opinion. Love me some Five Guys. Love me some Five Guys. I'll die on that hill. Um, it's now in Australia. It's um, in, in Penrith, I think, of all places, in Sydney. And there's also one that's just opened up here in Melbourne in the CBD right near the casino. And it tastes pretty good. Tastes just like Five Guys. But um, I'm in complete lockstep here with Paul in that it costs far too much. It, it is does. so fucking expensive here in Australia. It's absurd. It's stupid. It shouldn't cost that much. It And the fact is, is the, the, the fact that you have to, like, I don't know actually if you guys have to do it in Australia, but over here there's only the base, very, very base of the hamburger. And then if you want sauce or if it, it's like pickles or onions, like if you want those kind of what usually are considered standard items you gotta you pick to, them to, all yeah you have to pay for them pay for them as extras oh so. you don't have to pay from extras here oh. it's pretty much you've got your your base burgers and then you can pick there's ones where you have to toppings. pay for adding but it's been a long time since i've actually had five guys because it is just too expensive for what you get the fries are delicious fries their shakes are good too i haven't had a shake i don't think maybe i have but i i usually avoid five guys because it's i just don't think the cost is worth what you kind of get so i was very surprised to see that they decided to set one up in australia it's it's funny because obviously and even back from when you were still living here we had in and out dabbling with little pop-ups here yeah. for years, right and you thought surely it's gonna open here and it never has you know we've got carl's jr which is you know just your yeah, slightly better Hungry Jacks or slightly worse, depending on the burger you're eating. But um, yeah, Five Guys is here. They've got a, a footprint across the East Coast now, and it's great. But yeah, I had I ordered a burger, fries, and a shake from there a few weeks ago, and it cost me like forty something dollars. Oh no! Like yeah, the, Australia has good burgers. Actually, Australia has a lot of great smaller franchises to provide burgers. Like I'm a person that enjoys grilled i don't know how far across australia grilled is but i like grilled it's it costs it small it, it's not cheap but i some i enjoy the cost to taste ratio i think it, it's mm-hmm. valid and then i'm now trying to remember the place that benny introduced me to is it called betty's no betty's betty's, yeah, betty's is Delicious, absolutely delicious. So there's options. You don't need the stupid American crap over there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I'm happy to see it here, but just lower some of the costs because like you said, there's dozens of killer burger places all over the country that will do a burger as good or better than Mm. Five Guys. So uh, completely agree with you there because it was still tasty, but uh, holy crap, it was expensive to get that tastiness. And then another one. Uh, had this pop up a couple of times in the feedback when I was correlating all the info. Metal Hellsinger. And like when they're saying it's so bad, it was good. There was some consistencies in the responses in relation to like, there wasn't a ton of story here. There wasn't a ton no. of narrative. There wasn't a, a ton to hook you apart from the simplicity of the game where it's just mad fucking riffs and a soundtrack. Like the rest of the game doesn't really matter so much. So I think that's where they were leaning. And I'm like, okay, I can I can understand where you come from there. But the game was sick. I'm actually surprised that I followed whatever story that there was. Because usually <laughs> I'm, I'm a skip person when it comes to games. So I'm surprised that I actually took in as much story. But I'm, I'm glad that there was like a lot of people out there who enjoyed the game much like myself. Because 
I feel like we're we're a very small few people who enjoy a rhythm shooter shooter game, but oh, it was epic. So happy with that one. Yeah, I'm so happy that it's getting so much exposure across all the internets. And the last one, and this was probably our biggest response by far. There was a ton of people that wrote in and referenced this game in various ways as far as what was so bad, it was good. And it was Fortnite. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, you and I, both in agreement, we've got this on our list as well as far as something was so bad, it was good. And I think what what Epic have done here where they've sort of brought in this new mode, no building, none of that nonsense. Instead, they've brought out a mode that's accessible, that's, you know, it's got a skill cap still, don't get me wrong, but you can jump into this game and be average, below average, and still have a good time. Yeah. And yeah, Fortnite no build, it's just taken over so many um, in the 8-bit nation as well as obviously you and you and I as well because yeah. we can't get enough of Fortnite no build. Yeah, and I still can't believe that we are at this point here where me and you not only play Fortnite, but we're very much into it. I can think back to early Hungry Gamers where we used to make jokes about like let kids play Fortnite so we can play our like Apex I think was the main one we were talking about we're Mm -hmm. like we can play Apex the kids can play Fortnite it's great let's keep it that way and now we're fucking biting our tongue because like it's it's we're obsessed We, we we not only play the game we are buying the content. We're buying all the skins that we used to make fun of. Like, oh, what won't Fortnite you know, bring into the game now? Now we're a part of it. Now we're like, have you seen this? This dropped now. Oh, the battle pass is great. Oh, let's try this mode. I'm a big advocate. I actually really enjoy the concert stuff that they do. I really like how they've incorporated uh, artists across the world and how users can have a experience while listening to this person's content or album and get introduced to new music. I think they've done it really, really well. Mm, they really have. Like they've, they've perfected that secret source and the game continues to go from strength to strength. And yeah, it's funny that a few years ago, we poo-pooed this game any chance we got and made fun of what they were doing and the skins. And now here I am spending, you know, 1800 V bucks on the Terminator pack that they dropped this week with Sarah Connor and the T 800 and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you got me well and truly epic and you got Ali well and truly, and you've got a lot of the nation well and truly because Fortnite no build is the place to be. Apparently a couple other things that I experienced in 2022 that was so bad. It was good. Yeah. Outside of Fortnite. I wanted to say shout out to my previous job that I uh, finished up with a couple of weeks ago. Like um, that job, the company or the product was not the best, but it helped get me to Melbourne. I'm very thankful that, uh, you know, the the way the stars aligned, it allowed me to do the move from, from Brisbane down to Melbourne and, you know, allowed me to sort of connect with a lot of people in the space down here. So I want to say I'm, I'm thankful for that opportunity and appreciate that. Um, the other things that was so bad, it was good, is probably my ever-growing addiction to anime the the amount of content that i've consumed this year in the anime space is terrifying and some of the (laughs) stuff i watched was probably not worth the time but yet i committed to some of those series and wrote it through to the end and the last one kfc hot and crispy pieces that have come out so they're boneless little hot and hot and crispy or hot and spicy bites you could say like they're delicious yeah no they're they're like little juicy bites so they're like yeah like i guess you could say like a baby tender in a way like a chicken nugget? 
Not quite. Somewhere between, in between a nugget and a tender. <laughs> but they're freaking delicious and I love them. But without fail, probably a few hours later, my tummy does not love them. Oh, so that's right. where the badness that's, comes. Yeah, okay, okay. Because I'm playing Russian roulette every bite with those with those uh, hot and crispy pieces. They're delicious, especially if you get a gravy with them. But uh, yeah, a few hours later, my tummy is uh, in all kinds of regrets. So that's my so bads that they were good. Let's shift gears over to this one. Let's rumble! And we're rumbling with you guys, 8-Bit Nation, oh. regarding your biggest grievances in relation to 8-Bit and the Hungry Gamers specifically. Stick up my dukes. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, sweep the leg and uh, aim for the crutch. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna take you all down that way. No mercy. <laughs> we fight dirty round here, but um, yeah, the, some of the, some of the main ones or the biggest ones we received is um, live streams slash ways to watch the podcast. And I know this is something that we've been talking about for years, maybe around this time every year, funnily yeah, enough. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Up. I think maybe one in the middle of the year we talk about it and then it comes back up at the end of the year. So this is perfectly valid. <laughs> yeah, so so like, you know, we'll, we'll own this. Yes, we still haven't really perfected that secret source. We have shifted platforms recently and we're now recording the podcast through a platform called Riverside, which is great, riverside.fm, if you wanted to look at a nice all-in-one solution for creating podcasts with with friends and, and new content. But what they can do on this is there's an option on Riverside where you can potentially have like a, a live audience watching along. So we could see how that works on Riverside, but the other thing is we were looking at as well is utilizing Discord stages as an option. Oh, yeah. But then I don't know how that would interconnect into Riverside. So stages might only end up being audio only, where with the video side, it could be on Riverside. So that's something we'll look at and explore over the Christmas break and see what's viable. And, you know, we wouldn't turn this show into a live thing, I think, every episode. But if we maybe did it semi-regularly, where we're already doing this now on video, if we open it up to allow people to, to watch or, you know, chat to us in between or, you know, on either end of the show... That's something I think we're, we'll probably look at a little bit more. So, so yeah. we're working at it. Yeah, please hard. understand that we've got a very bad time difference and we've both got very different schedules. So live streaming is very difficult for us. Uh, as much as we would love to do a live stream and engage with the community, the like, I don't know how many of you would want to wake up like, in Australia at like Sparrow's Fight on s- Saturday morning to see a live stream. Uh, so, uh, just know that the live stream thing is pretty difficult for us, but I guess we, yeah, the, the exploration for dropping video content of the podcast, if you want to see what's happening here, cause you don't, I don't know if you want to see <laughs> what's actually happening here. I'm going to have to put on pants. Yeah. God, God damn it. Pants. But yeah, we're, we're working at it and, um, Riverside, like we've only been using Riverside now for a couple of weeks and, I think the power behind this platform could be really fun, especially sure, yeah. with even even if the, the live streams take a little while to get going, just being able to export these these episodes into little bite-sized clips with a lot more ease through this platform will be something we'll, we'll start exploring more. And you'll, you'll see more of our mugs on the screen, whether it be pre-recorded with chunks of episode or a mixture of that with some live stuff once we really yeah. get our heads around Riverside because it's a great platform, but we're still very new with with learning all the intricacies yeah but we're here we're here this is something we we hear a lot we are constantly fighting amongst ourselves about this so 
We know. Yeah. We're sorry. Yeah. But the the big thing and, and we are sorry. <laughs> we but are yeah, sorry. If, if we are if we are gonna be live streaming, yeah, we'll be like Saturday morning. So you know, we're 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 New Age Saturday Disney up in here. Yeah. So uh, get ready, <laughs> get your cereal out and come join us. <laughs> All right, the next one. Not quite sure how to take this, but uh, we had an indirect <laughs> shot where the response was just three words as far as the biggest grievance with us, and it said sense of humour. So how do you interpret this, Miss Hart? How do you interpret this? Are e- we like either we have we not none, <laughs> either we have none, or we're not hitting the level that they like. And to yeah. be, I know, like to be fair, like maybe they're not a big fan of us talking about shitting ourselves first thing in the morning. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think what level of humor we are at. So I apologize if uh, yeah. if we're not if we're not meeting a mark of if we're not meeting a level of comedy that you're expecting from us, or it has declined. I apologize. Um, or if we're just being maybe too serious with the news. I don't know. Um, it's it's interesting feedback with just the three words. So. It, it, it kind of it's, it's really it's really surprising it's valid this is this is the reason for the season so well we're gonna have to uh think about that one i think yeah maybe we need to go to like some improv classes yeah, or maybe. something and uh get better because our sense of humor is um it's lacking in some regard somewhere yeah do we know which no maybe it's all maybe maybe yeah, we're not we're humorous never funny yeah, which sucks because I like to think we have some zingers here and now, but now I'm really uh, reflecting on the last six to seven years of, of choices made. So, uh, yeah, thanks, listeners, for uh, breaking our little hearts. All right, the next one. There, there's been some talk and some chatter about maybe highlighting or focusing on VR gaming a little bit because it is a space that is pretty starved in the gaming podcast it's area. True, yeah. So. So maybe that's something we could look at where we can we can bring out a, a little small section or a little piece, uh, whether it be in the mainline show or a little breakaway nugget with, is something that I'm um, playing around with in the back of my head as well. But yeah, it's certainly VR and indie are two things that don't get spotlighted anywhere near enough in gaming in general, indie especially, but uh, watch this space is all I'm going to say. Fair enough. The next one, more guests on the shows is something that popped up a few times. Yeah. Uh, so they'd like to hear more opinions, more more voices uh, spotlighted on The Hungry Gamers. And, uh, and I know a couple of people have also said, let me back on. So I want to shout out to Zach from <laughs> News to Reviews, <laughs> persistent little son of a gun. And also shout out to the fantastic amount of money you raised during Movember. Oh, yeah, that congratulations. mustache looked great. Uh, you should keep it because uh, you somehow managed to work the handlebars very well. But uh, yeah, Miss Hart, more guests on the shows. This is something we we've, we've been talking about. Yeah, and this is a this is a timing thing again. <laughs> yeah, it, do do we do we talk about it now, or do we just sort of say it's noted and move it's, on, or do we we'll sort say of say it's been noted, it's been noted, it's been considered, and we're trying to figure it out. But we're going to have to also be selective, I guess, in a way. So we're open-minded, but also very selective about it. Watch this space. We're working on something. And when we do our sort of, I guess, state of the nation in 2023, as far as rolling out our, our mission statement for the year and what our, what our goals are, mm. you might hear more about that then, maybe. There was a few people that also had a grievance or took a grievance with myself and my anime obsession. Uh, the Hungry Weeb is what I was called by a few. And um, Are they for yeah, it or against it? 
Um, like it's hard to say because it is just text on a screen. I don't know if it's a bit tongue in cheek with some of their responses, but um, yeah, there was a lot of people that uh, aren't aren't taking much appreciation of my uh, my anime fandom these days. Uh, and to you, I say, stick it up your ass because it's not going anywhere. But also, I appreciate the feedback. <laughs> Working on other things. Not going to say that it's not going to get talked about on on the Hungry Gamers ever again. No way. But um. There's something else I'm, I'm tinkering with at the moment, which you'll hear about in that uh, that State of the Nation in 2023. <laughs> I just wanted to break up some of this negativity and hostility here and uh, say uh, we've got a bit of feedback and sort of correlated a little bit together here. And they say, honestly, can't think of anything negative or you know any grievances regarding 8-Bit and The Hungry Gamers because uh, everyone at 8-Bit is doing an amazing job I wanted to thank us for all the hard work and effort we put into each episode of every show you put out. Aww. So um, we thank nice. you. Thank you. Need to prop us up after uh, having our sense of humour stomped into the mud. <laughs> but, yeah, we are very appreciative of that. Jumping on to the next one, uh, going from a, a nice positive to, to some, some, some honest negativity that we, we need to be mindful of, I guess. Oh, and, yeah. um, both of you seeming to become more dependent on crutch words, examples, ums and ahs. Embrace the pause while speaking to let your brain catch up on your thoughts. Valid. Valid. Very valid. Very valid. <laughs> yeah. I think um, between us, we're both... We're both very fast speakers. Yeah. You know, we, we can sort of machine gun a lot of words out. Have, have I told the audience about my rule uh, that I don't drink caffeine like an hour before the podcast because I myself know that I speak way too fast when I've had caffeine. And like back in the back in the early days of THG, we'd be doing meat pies and Red Bulls, and then I'd listen, <laughs> I'd listen back to the podcast, and I'd be talking really, really fast, and I didn't even really, really understand what you're saying. So I was like, "Nah, Ali, Ali can't have caffeine before the podcast because her brain like is thinking, her mouth isn't working together with the brain, and it's just verbal spew. It's just, it was bad. So." Uh, but yeah, very valid criticism. This, this is this is good criticism. I agree. <laughs> very valid, and I agree too. And this is something that um, I know I just said an um right then, so um, I'm sorry. But yeah, it's something that you, we try and be mindful of, or at least I try and be mindful of when mm. I am talking, is to try and lessen the ums and the ahs. I know I use a lot of you know. That's that's one of my crutches. I think I lean on a lot in general discussion whether it be on the podcast or you know, the nine to five job all that kind of stuff instead of a bit of dead air or an um and an ah it's, it's a you know that I'm, I put a, in there I'm an a bit. um i know i'm an um yeah and, and it's an tough um-er. it's a hard thing to shake it, it it is because like i don't know how to explain it but like because i'm gonna be forward it's it's actually one of my grievances on myself it's one of my list of grievances that I've given myself is that learn how to talk good I think unfortunately due to me moving away and then also not really having a workspace and dealing with a lot of people I don't actually I think I talk to one person a day and then podcast day it's two people a day so I'm not actually engaging on much conversation I'm not having that experience and I'm finding myself not able to talk good I'm not able to articulate myself I'm not able to have here we go well thought opinions or structuring my sentences more appropriately before I speak them and I'm frustrating myself like I I'm frustrating myself first and I'm like 
I actually brought this up with my husband recently. I'm like, I just, if I'm frustrated, I can't imagine how the audience is. So I completely agree with you. And it's definitely something that I'm going to be working on in the new year on learning how to talk better. And I'm the same. Like it's, it's tough, especially with like where you did say embrace the pause, but then it's like, I, I want to be respectful of listeners time. So I don't want all these massive pauses that then bloat, bloat the episode out another 10, 15 minutes. Let's say like, that's probably an exaggerated sum, but like, it is a tough thing because I like that our content that we release does have a, have a pretty good swift pace. Like there is a lot of stuff coming at you quickly, but maybe that is something that can be detrimental at times when there is these lack of pauses and this just frantic momentum that we keep. But I feel we have a good pacing, like it's not too <laughs> blah, but maybe it needs to be stepped back slowly. I don't know. Maybe. Um, I don't know. I, when it comes to our pacing and what we always, to say we aim for it makes it sound like we purposefully do it. But for the most part, this podcast is just two mates talking to each other like just this is one great way for me and Brendan to kind of just chat hang out talk about all the shit we love but also share it with you guys as well uh so it's just sometimes it's just that's how it is this is just a conversation we're not Mm -hmm. thinking we're not we're just talking to each other about these things that we're very passionate about and for some people when you're really excited or really passionate about something you just you just blah you just talk exactly Exactly. So uh, I guess a little bit of it's on us for, for the amount of love and enthusiasm we have for, for these get-togethers, but also these industries that we talk about. So it does sort of get the emotions churning, which again gets the word words sort of vomiting a little bit more. So mm-hmm. it's tough. Ho- hopefully, listeners out there, you can understand what we say 99% <laughs> of the time. <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, if you can't understand what a, what's getting said in a podcast, then it's going to be a tough podcast to listen to. That's where the humor's missing. They can't understand us. That's the problem. We don't we don't dwell on the punchline to let it sink in for the joke to have maximum effect. Instead, we're just trying to go from joke to joke to joke. We need to land that punchline, let the audience laugh and clap, then keep moving. There you go. Anyway, the next one. Uh, this this is one I take this one very personally in that yep I'm owning this 110 percent where we did promise that Yencast first was going to be released all at once and could binge that bad boy in one sitting. It did not happen that way. We had a lot like you know full behind the curtain scenario here. We had some editing issues. We had some audio based issues where. We didn't receive all the audio and then had to sort of get a PC that had to do a a full backup and rebuild to get some of the files because they were corrupted. It was, it was a whole thing. And then our editor behind it has been doing a really great job, but then there were some personal things. Like it was like everything that could go wrong regarding the best intention of having this thing all out in one hit and just bam, there it is, did go wrong. And then at the same time, I probably wasn't as persistent on following up on certain things to get this edited in the right timeline. So I completely apologize. I completely understand and I own this. And what we're moving, doing moving forward in relation to any 8-crit stuff is I'm not going to announce anything <laughs> until it is 110% in the can and edited so I can drop it in full and just walk away and know that it's done. So... There's other things in the works, but I'm not going to say what. I'm not going to say when it's coming. I'm just going to say moving forward, 
it's going to be tight lifts until it is fully realized, fully edited, fully uploaded and ready to press go because, um, yeah, we don't want that. And I'm sorry because I got to do better. Learn from our grievances in the gaming industry. We're, we're doing what we can. Got to own this stuff. Yeah. Got to own this stuff. And then the last one, we had a couple of mentions relating to, you know, Dream and Kerbo where they were curious about would they come back? Would they jump on an episode here or there? And for now, that's that's not going to happen. We feel that we've got the the THG secret sauce tasting very well. We did mention that we might look to have more guest people coming in here or there at whatever frequency. You got some grievances you want to share from an 8-bit THG-related matter? I know you mentioned one about, uh, how you said, learn how to talk good. Yeah, look how to talk good. Um, so, yeah, I'll be working on that one. Once again, apologies. Thank you for pointing it out. Um, and I just want to, I, I really want to work on more video content stuff, but I am the worst enemy on my own content or the things that I produce. So, uh, I, I want to figure out the best way to make content, streamline content and getting it out there, but also not bully my fucking self and having such ridiculously high standards. Granted, I'm not going to like lower my standards for you guys because I'm not about that. I'm not going to just release bullshit just because to release bullshit. I'd rather do something, make something good, make something I'm proud of, and then have you guys have it available to you. So, I completely agree. And that's something that um, we're trying to do here as a whole is, you know, it's, it's quantity, not in this case, we're looking at quality. So uh, we want to make sure that what we're releasing is is at the standard we want it to be. We don't want to overcommit and under under deliver, exactly. which we have done in years past, and that's always been with the best intentions. You know, we always want to try and give as much as we can, but we're just trying to be realistic with how things are. That you know, if we do need to scale things back, which we have in the last twelve months, you know, yeah. we sort of uh, the eight bit collective got got put to bed and things like that, just to make a little bit more of a focused, targeted effort. We'll just maintain that because we we want to release content to a standard that we can be proud of and that the, the 8-Bit Nation can hopefully be proud of and, and, and receptive um, of because, you know, we're putting our heart out there every every episode and we want to make sure it's, it's done to the best of our abilities, right? Exactly right. Yeah, and that's um that sort of weaves into my grievance. Like, um, I don't really have many to say from an 8-bit or a Hungry Gamers perspective because I do like that we did sort of strip things back a little bit more and have a more focused approach because mm-hmm. it feels like we are firing on all cylinders and it feels good. Uh, you completely hear the sentiment from the nation regarding the video stuff. would love to do more in that in that realm and, and we'll continue to workshop that in the background and maybe one day we'll have, have uh, that perfected and, and roll out to whatever frequency we're comfortable with. But um, yeah, I'm not going to be throwing out any promises willy-nilly today. I'm just saying we're, we're taking it all under advisement and we're working on it and you'll hear exactly what we have planned in the new year, you know, in let's say three to four weeks time or whatever, whenever it is we come back, you'll you'll hear more about what we've got planned there and um, you know see the roadmap for 2023 with uh, THG and 8-Bit. All right, let's move into the last part of the pod here, the last grievance, and we're going to look forward, but I'll just drop uh, a nice little Festivus soundbite to round it out here. And is there a tree? No, instead there's a pole. Requires no decoration. I find tinsel distracting. Tinsel is very distracting. I uh, put my little Christmas tree up just yesterday, finally. I'm two weeks late, but there's not a piece of tinsel on 
my tree to be seen. So uh, a couple of couple little ornaments and some shiny bells and some lights, but that's it. I don't have that's a tree. <gasps> Maybe you just need a metal pole, Festivus style. Just stick that in the middle of the room or in the corner, and away you go. Pole dancing, yeah. Yeehaw, festive. All right, so we're talking about things that y'all are not looking forward to in gaming in 2023. And the nation, like as I mentioned, we have just sort of bundled and encompassed a lot of similar responses here. And we got a lot of discussion relating to delays. That's that's a consistent thing. You know, it's, it's something, it's not ideal, but I think we've talked about delays a lot today as far as that I'd prefer a game to be delayed than busted at launch. So... I get that it sucks and I get that you've got this date in mind. You're like, hell yeah, I'm going to take some time off in February because of this game. And then it gets kicked two or three months down the line and your world goes into a bit of a spin because, you know, plans have changed. People don't like change. But yeah, delays are delays are something that's not going to go anywhere. And it's something we just got to learn to appreciate and get used to. Yeah. I, I don't think it's ever going to get better. I just kind of want the industry to stop. Uh, prematurely advertising and putting a game out there into the space because people just, once you put it out there, people are just constantly asking questions and then the pressure's on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, um, you know, similar sentiments to previous responses here as far as things that we're not happy with in 2022, which will continue to bleed into next year and beyond, yeah. battle and season passes. Yeah. You know, the, this, the, not only the, the financial outlay for said battle and season passes, but when the the quality of the battle or season pass is not there as far as the items you get or the the rewards you get for investing the time into that game is something that is um, very upsetting for a lot of people out there. And, and I get it. Like, it's your, it's your money, it's your time going into these things. And yeah. if the stuff you're getting back sucks, then it really is disheartening. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's it's right. gonna it's just gonna keep happening as mentioned because it's, it's just, oh yeah it's it's the money it's the money machine the money um, incomplete games on release it also sucks uh, the fact that um, yeah games you know tying into delays this is all like battle passes season passes delays incomplete games that is all just one big bubble yeah. I think you know yeah it's yeah cycles cycles a great word to just to use to describe that and um. Yeah, we we don't need perfect games with perfect writing, visuals, and performance, but uh, some of these games just need to get a little bit better. So uh, yeah, just release them when they're ready, Mister Publisher and Developer, or Mrs. Publisher and Developer. Something that uh, a few people had a chuckle about this and are looking forward to in twenty twenty three is Gollum, <laughs> the third person RPG game where obviously you, you take control of Gollum or Smeagol. Uh, depending on how far into the timeline it is. I could not give a rat's ass about this game. Like, I love me some Lord of the Rings. I love me some Tolkien. But this game... Well, I never cared about Lord of the Rings, so this is just hilarious <laughs> to me. I thought he was, a, like, one of the more jokey characters. I'm sure I'm going to get hit by it because I'm sure that there's a deeper meaning behind Gollum, but, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, still can't believe that that's a game and it's coming out next year. So we'll see how that uh, gets reviewed and... If the nation are very correct in feeling very against Gollum there. Uh, We've also had a lot of uh, responses coming in in 2023 and the debate and just this ongoing Activision Blizzard acquisition with Xbox and Microsoft, people just want it to be done with. Just end it, make a decision, pass it through, deny it, whatever it's got to be, but just make a choice because this is dragging 
and I was looking at um I was looking at some some chatter online overnight about this and regarding the FTC um, scheduling that's been scheduled now for August of 2023 Ooh. so we have to wait until then at the very least regarding having this played out in front of an administrative judge which is funny because the completion date for this deal is meant to be June of 2023. So it's going to blow out the completion date, cause all kinds of questions and concerns. And then on the back of this too, I was reading if Microsoft would have potentially pulled the parachute and jettison this deal. They have to then pay Blizzard Activision $2 billion due to breaking the deal. And if they wait until uh, January of 2023, that too becomes $3 billion. So... Yeah, they can't get off the train, or they can, and it's going to cost them an awful lot of money. So, uh, yeah, absolutely insane to see. But yeah, people are people are worn out by all this. People are fatigued by the whole uh, media smear campaigns going on from both sides of this discussion, and just want it to be over. Valid. Me especially. Yeah. People actually weren't too hyped on the uh, upcoming Indiana Jones video game adaptation coming out. They're Hopeful that it could work, but unless it is, you know, almost a, a carbon copy of, say, a Tomb Raider or an Uncharted, they feel that it's going to probably fall short of expectations. So uh, watch this space for Indy and Harrison Ford and co to see what they're up to. Mm. Uh, people are also not looking forward to the, the hype and pressures around Starfall where there's some concern that it's going to get too propped up in the media and then ultimately fall short of expectations. So they're worried about the disappointment from that. No, that never happens. Not at all. Not at all. So we'll see what happens there. And then um, similar tone regarding the Suicide Squad game. Obviously, we got a little bit more trailer and gameplay just the other day at the Game Awards. The the hype behind this game is at an all-time high, but there's some skepticism from the nation where they're feeling that even though the game sounds and looks like it could be great, it's going to ultimately fall short of expectations and be not that good. I kind of agree. I've, I've got a bad. Fe- I've got a bad feeling. That's all. I'm trying to remain neutral on this one. It looks good. I think if it's executed well, it could be great. But I hope it's not going to come become another Gotham Knights type of release where it's like, damn, there's some cool parts in this, but overall, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, Hogwarts Legacy got a little bit of a uh, little bit of run in the feedback from the nation as well, where there's this whole issue with with a lot of these games, or you know, a lot of media in general, when you know, you disconnect the art from the artist and that type of subset, and sure. obviously J.K. Rowling. She doesn't seem like I don't know her personally, but she doesn't seem like a, a great person. She she's created this universe and and done many good things for film and, and books and alike, but there is that constant smear that sits over the top of Hogwarts Legacy, even though it could be a good game, but there is that like, oh, you know what, this is made or attached to this woman who kind of fucking sucks. Yeah. I, I mean, I had no intention of playing this game anyway. I don't think I've actually played any of the Harry Potter games that have come out, so I just, I'm not interested in that space. So yeah, I'm, I'm neutral. I'm very neutral. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll give it a spin. See if the sorting hat still chucks me into Ravenclaw, as it should, because I did that online through the uh, the Pottermore website. Jesus, maybe, maybe like we did it. I did. We, I know we did it the morning of THG recording. <laughs> Talking about the uh, meat pie and Red Bull, it was it was buying meat pies that we all took this quiz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ravenclaw, where did you end up? Were you Slytherin? I'm a Gryffindor. You're a Gryffindor. That's right. I couldn't remember. I don't know why I'm a Gryffindor. 
but I'm a Gryffindor. Fucking goody two shoes. Yep, yep, yep. Hiding behind that tough exterior is a nice little Gryffindor, eh? Apparently. <laughs> but yeah, Hogwarts Legacy is another one to watch that space as far as how's it going to be perceived, how's it going to be reviewed, and all yeah. the other media beat up that sort of surrounds JK Rowling as well. Mm-hmm. Um, another few people that aren't looking forward to is uh, whether it be buying a new computer, upgrading their existing rig to, you know, the, the never-ending cycle of new GPUs that are popping out. It feels like there's a new line that gets released every quarter at the moment. It does, yeah. And they're big leaps too. It's not just going from like a 3060 to a 3070. It's, you know, it's it's the 40 series. It's the 50 series. Like, it's, it's insane. And the money attached to these things is absurd. Yeah, but the... the- thing about like building a rig and building a pc is that once you do it you don't don't really have to fret too much about having to do it again for a very very long time but the problem is is that you get really comfortable with your pc and it starts not meeting the criteria it should be meeting like mine slowly has been and i'm like oh no i need to start thinking about a new rig again and i'm a little sad I'm a little sad because it was my first, like, my rig was, like, the first one I made for myself and I'm very attached to it, but the girl's old, so I'm going to have to start considering the rebuild. Yeah, it's it's tough. I I guess the best part about upgrading those rigs is is it can be modular, you know, if you need to just slam a new GPU or CPU in, for the most part, you can just, you know, buy new parts and put it in. But yeah, depending on case size. Yeah, I think I'm new motherboard, new graphics card. I think we're, yeah. You're all in. You're all in. I I love my PC. I'm still yet to really play a single game on it. I will one day, but um, at least looks the part beside me right now as we record THG on this uh, fantastic rig. Your one's pretty. It is so pretty. I'm, I'm stroking it very affectionately right now. Oh. You might be able to hear that on the podcast, a little bit of little PC ASMR, ASMR right now. <laughs> mm. Mm. All right. And the, the last one from The Nation, this was the biggest response we received by far from dozens of people regarding uh, what they're not looking forward to in gaming in 2023. And it ties into not having enough time to put into gaming in general unless sacrificing sleep uh, due to work, family, kids, or just life in general. So, uh, yeah, we, we feel you. We empathize with that 110%. Like, life can be busy, life can be messy, and it's tough to find the time to get into those comfort foods like your gaming. And, uh, yeah, the older we get, the less time we seem to have, it feels like. So, uh, completely with you there. Yeah. I mean, this kind of, like, rolls into my one where... It's we next year we have a lot of titles that are kind of bulked in together and they keep on doing a lot of their drops within like a week or so of each other. So, you know, there might be a lot of games that we're excited to play or try, but we are also falling victim to the whole, okay, so this game comes out and then a week later the next game comes out. I only have so much time to play these games. So then you've got to also run risk of spoilers and uh, content being ruined for you or trying to avoid social medias or engagements with other people. And it's just this like, it's this never ending cycle now where we, uh, there's, there's a group of people who are able to take in the content, play the content and spew out their opinions. And everyone wants to, everyone wants to talk about their stuff. It's only natural, but you kind of spit it out in this big open social space. So you have the people who can churn through games instantly. And then you have the other group of us who 
either don't have the time to or don't have uh, the resources to or, you know, just you, you're already playing something else, you want to finish something else. And so it's just it's 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 a struggle. It's pretty bad. It's tough. I sort of sit somewhere in the middle where sometimes I can find time to, to churn a game out in, in a very short period of time on release and then others where it's just there's so many things going on that I barely have time to, to play an hour or so here or there just due to work and life. And, and you know, that's something that's consistent amongst the gaming space and amongst the 8-bit nation. So, uh, yeah, just, just do what you can to... To, to have a good life, whether that be tons of gaming or, or none of gaming, like just, just do what you can to, to maintain a, a good mental and, and physical health yeah. and also not, uh, not neglect yourself, your friends, your family or anyone else in your broader ecosystem as well because, you know, gaming's great, but it shouldn't be everything. You need more um, in your life than, than just the game. You know, get out and, you know, as the cliche is, you know, go out and touch some grass, get some sunlight and balance. It's all about balance. And, yeah. But it's tough to find the balance sometimes too. So we it's get really it. tough. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I'm not looking forward to in gaming in 2023, outside of this whole FTC, Blizzard, Activision, yeah. Microsoft melodrama, is the metaverse. It ain't going nowhere. It's here to stay. And Zuckerberg and Co are just going to keep hammering this shit down our throats. And we're all going to end up in this dirty metaverse one way or another. And um, I do not want to be there, but I guess I'll see you all there soon. Yeah, I'm still not fully aware on where, <laughs> what, what scope the metaverse is in. And everyone's talking about how Fortnite is closer to it than anything else. I'm like, so technically I'm already there? I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I like this idea of having a... I always, I always, whenever I think about metaverse, for some reason, I always think the first thing I think of is PlayStation Home. Oh, remember yeah. when PlayStation Home, you had your own home space and then you had that joint space and then you had your own avatar and you could buy stuff with PlayStation points and and then you could play basketball in a <laughs> court and stuff. That's always what I think of when I think of metaverse. Yeah, I'm like, I'm definitely curious to see how it's going to look and evolve in the coming years, but I, I like that. You know, video gaming is escapism mm-hmm. and you can escape from from real life into games and films and stuff like that. But this is like, what's what's the movie? It's like Inception almost of escapism where you're going another layer into the escapism where you're escaping your real life into the gaming and then out of that gaming world into another fake life. Like there's so many layers to it that it just wrinkles my brain and I don't know how it's going to play out or how I'm going to fit into it and it scares me. <laughs> goddamn metaverse but miss hart unless you've got anything else you want to shout out for things you're not looking forward to in 2023 that just about puts a big old festivus shaped bow on festivus 2022 yeah you good i'm good anything else you want to mention no i think i think uh the abit nation we're all pretty much finger on this pulse with the most things so i'm glad that we're all feeling the same way and we're all going to be there for each other and support each other through the, the next year and see what it brings that's it. That's it. So, um, yeah, this is the second last episode of THG for 2022. You've still got a couple of days to get your responses in for the biddies. Obviously, that is our entirely community-driven end-of-year awards. So head on over to videogamesandculture.com forward slash awards to get your nominations in. Doing so will put you in the draw to win a ton of swag. And we'll also be giving away some stuff based off some of the responses for Festivus as well. So uh, we'll announce some of those winners on our socials and also on the biddies next week. So uh, we're just going to correlate all that data 
And then uh, run some randomizers to give away not only, you know, some microphones and headsets from Audio Technica, some merch from us, some games and other, you know, pieces of culture-related content from the year that's just dropped, as well as some other things from Spreadshirt and a few of our other sponsors there. So check that out, but we'll announce that uh, list of winners in full in the coming week. But yeah, get those noms in while you can, videogamesandculture.com forward slash awards. But just wanted to also shout out to everyone who submitted responses for Festivus? Obviously, we didn't unpack every single response individually just because it would have uh, you know, made this podcast go from two hours to maybe 20 hours. So I just wanted to show some love to everyone who participated this year. And a big old thank you goes to the following. I've put this in alphabetical order. Aaron, Aaron P, Anth, Ari, Ash, Ben, Benny, Billy D, Dan, Danny, Dom, Chris A, Chris M, Craig, Conpire, Corey, Eldar, Evie, Fester, Gasper, Griff, Harry, Heath, Ivan, Jakey G, James, Jamie, Jared, Jesse, Job, Jono, Jordo, Josh, Liam, Logie, Ken K, Kieran L, Kieran V, Matt, Mel, Mike Drop, Mitch, Nathan, Nika, Nobu, Ozzy, Omar, Paul, Pirate, Pete, Peter W, Quartz, Remo, Rob, Ross, T, Timmy, Tony, Tori, Trav, Sam, Shannon, Steve, Steve F, Will, Wadey, Zach, and ZBL. And <sighs> a partridge in a <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Yeah, really appreciate taking the time to get your thoughts and opinions heard. But yeah, as Ali said, it did feel like we're all in lockstep as far as Mm. our grievances for this year. A lot of similarities, a lot of consistencies across everyone's responses. But uh, yeah, 8-Bit Nation, that brings us to the end of the second last episode for 2022. We're going to get on out of here now. But until next time, 8-Bit Nation, much love. And stay hungry. You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture-related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry. Stay hungry.